Hey, Happy New Year, listeners. Uh, it is 2023, which is amazing. And um, a couple of months ago, actually, I sat down with David Tate. And David Tate, he's got his PhD in psychology. He's a professor at Yale. He's an executive coach. And he co-authored a book called Conscious Accountability. And we had this fantastic conversation. It was so full of, of, of great content that we're actually splitting this podcast into two episodes, so you want to listen to both. But, but David and I talked about, amongst other things, why is accountability so important? Um, what is conscious accountability? What's that all about? And how can leaders uh, make their organization much more effective and a, and a much better place to work through this process called conscious accountability? So without further ado, uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. David, you presented uh, a launch talk at one of our events earlier this year, which really captivated our attention and, and that of everybody that attended. But before we get into that, because in that you talked about uh, what you call conscious accountability, and, and we're going to get into that. But, but first, can you talk about accountability in more general terms, like specifically, why does accountability matter to an organization? Yeah, thanks for that question, Jeff. Accountability is really crucial for personal and professional success. And it's also really important for teams and organizations to function optimally. And there's a number of reasons for that. Um, first of all, accountability is really key for building trust. In other words, um, when we do what we say we're going to do, when our words and our actions match, um, that's an important way that we build trust with other people. And it also affects another thing that's important, which is reputation. And you can think of reputation on a number of levels. Each of us develops a personal reputation um, for you know, how, we, how we are and, and whether or not we are, are reliable and you know, do what we say we're going to do. Um, teams develop reputations within organizations um, you know, as the team that you know, gets it done and or is it a great team to be a part of, or a team that seems to be like, you know, kind of the wheels are kind of coming off the bus. Um, and even organizations, right, get develop reputations with their customers, with, with, the, with, the, with the people that they work with. So accountability has, you know, has a lot to do with the kind of reputations that individuals and teams and organizations ultimately develop. Did you want to jump in on that? Well, I, you know, well yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, don't sometimes entire industries develop reputations as well, or, or or is that too broad? Like, or am I wrong on that? Well, you know, that's interesting. That's an interesting thing. I think, I think people develop, you know, or or, or industries can develop a certain kind of reputation mm -hmm. um, depending on how they tend to behave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, it. There's always variability, right? Like. Um, within groups, so like you can't paint with such a broad brush, but 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 reputations happen as a result of, on average, how they're how they behave. Yeah. And so so sure, I think I think in some instances it could be as broad as as an industry. It used to be like you would talk about like a used car dealership, and everybody mm. would roll their eyes and go, "Oh, geez, yeah, those guys, they had a reputation." That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so no offense to use car dealerships because yeah. I, I think it's probably different today than it used to be, but that just jumped into my head. Right, right, sure. You know, if a car dealership, used car dealership, behaved differently mm. than the expected 
you know, way, that could actually be a, um, a really, a, a differentiator in a way, yeah. right? Um, Positive outlier, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but a couple other things about why accountability is important. Accountability is necessary for people to learn and to build skills and to develop. In other words, you know, when you're learning any skill, whether it's, you know, playing a musical instrument or, um, or learning to drive or, um, or, or, you know, playing a sport, you need feedback and you need, um, you know, you know, you need to get, you know, being held accountable to what you're doing. For in other words, having people tell you kind of how you're doing and giving you, you know, giving you some kind of, um, uh, you know, feedback is essential for learning and developing skills. I mean, so without accountability in a broad sense, it's, it's harder for us to grow and learn and develop. Um, and it's also hard to actually achieve our goals um, mm. without, without some kind of accountability. Yeah. It makes me think, I, I, years ago, as a side gig, I, I would teach drum lessons. And, you know, so you could always tell when, when a student didn't practice at all over right. the course of the week. Right. And because and, and I was the one, I guess, that had to hold them accountable by calling them out like, yeah. you know, hey, did you practice this? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and they get this sheepish look on their face like so. Right. Um, so without it's a great example. Yeah. Right. So without some kind of accountability um, or, you know, if, if for those students who had some internalized sense of accountability, yeah. they're going to progress faster. Yeah. They're going to learn. They're going to learn more and, and go further than folks who lack that accountability. It's funny, not to spend too much time on this, but I had one student who was exceptionally good and held himself accountable and was really, you know, did the work. And he now makes a living as a, as a musician, you know, in New York City. So, like, like it, it's a great point. You can't learn if you don't hold yourself accountable to putting the work in. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And finally, like, in the most dramatic instance, um, accountability can make the difference between, like, life and death. Think about specific situations like in the operating room Hmm. um and you know or in the air traffic control tower Mm -hmm. you know if people don't do what they are supposed to do Mm. or if they don't follow through or if they don't um you know aren't aren't taking responsibility um you know terrible things can happen yeah um that that can that can actually you know uh, you know, be a matter of life and death. So hmm. for a number of reasons, uh, accountability is is central for m- making good things happen and, and avoiding um, things that we don't want to have happen. So it sounds like the more consequential the work, the more accountability you have to have, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The hmm. more consequential it is, the more accountability matters. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about what is conscious accountability uh, and, uh, and how did it evolve? Well, let me tell you about how, how this came to be. So several years ago, I was asked to design a workshop on accountability. And in studying kind of a number of existing models for building systems of accountability, some things I saw appeared more kind of mechanical and lacked a deeper understanding of how human beings actually operate. And so I also kind of observed that 
some of some notions of accountability leave people feeling fearful and isolated and instead of feeling more connected and empowered. And I began to appreciate how greater awareness of self and other people um, could actually contribute to a more humanistic take on accountability. So um, building on this foundation, my colleagues and I developed uh, this concept uh, of conscious accountability, which we define as expanding awareness to create deliberate intentions, take informed actions, and be responsible for your impact. So how then how would you, in, in layman's terms, explain the difference between just regular accountability and conscious accountability? In terms of conscious accountability, we think of shared responsibility for accountability. So many, many ideas of accountability emphasize responsibility, but it's often more on an individual level. Uh-huh. Like, I just need to be accountable for me and what I'm supposed to do in my deliverables or whatever it is that, and that's kind of where it starts and ends. In conscious accountability, it's really elevating the idea of accountability to be aware not just to what you need to do, but, but looking around you. What do, what do other people um, need? What do they need from you yeah. in order for them to be successful? What are the interdependencies that exist between me and other people? So in other words, if I do what I'm supposed to do or if I don't, how does that impact um, you know, other groups, other people? So this, this different kind of awareness helps us be more accountable when we're thinking not just about ourselves, but about an array of other people who are, are around us. So that's sort of one. Do, do, one sorry to interrupt, yeah, but, do, but doesn't that also get to the, the issue that you could have of somebody thinking like, if accountability is very, a, a very uh, individual thing, then I could be like, oh, that's not my problem. You're accountable for that, and I could absolve myself of any of any responsibility. That's right, as you said. Yep. Where, as opposed to thinking consciously, like, wait a second, we're in this together, and I have some role to play here. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that we often see that, you know, in organizations that, you know, lack conscious accountability, you'll see that, well, that's not my job or that's mm-hmm. not my that's not my problem. That's someone else's problem. Right. It's a very sort of um, more narrow frame as to, you know, what you're supposed to do. You, you kind of have your own little checklist for yourself. And as long as you check off those things then you can go home and say, I did what I was supposed to do. Whereas conscious accountability invites us to kind of look around, really think about what is the objective that we are trying to, to, mm-hmm. to um, achieve mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. and to go beyond just sort of like sort of the narrow description of what you're supposed to do to really think um, about how, how can I support what we're doing. And, you know, and that may be, you know, um, Checking in with other people, making sure they have what they need, yeah. and and stand stepping in if someone is is dropping the ball for whatever reason, right? Right, and being able to sort of backfill and support in whatever yeah. way instead of just criticizing, yeah, and, and going to the well, look, look, look at me, I did my part of the job, but right. you didn't do right. But instead, like, hmm, how can I help us? Yeah, accomplish what we need to accomplish. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's you you got it. That's exactly right. That's the, that's the sort of shift in thinking that conscious accountability invites. So a second way that conscious accountability is different. And it kind of, you know, builds off of what we're just talking about. Accountability often focuses just on the result. What is the result we are trying to achieve? Conscious accountability th- thinks not only just ab- about the result, but also about the relationship. 
So how do I think about creating excellent, you know, results and at the same time make make my relationships with other people better through the process of our working together? So it attends to both. It's so the ends don't always the end doesn't always justify the means if you're consciously accountable. You've got to be thinking about the how you're getting there and how it's impacting the relationships that you're having along the way. Absolutely. Is, is, is you, that right? That's exactly right. Because think about it. Think about this from the angle of like sustainability in the long term. Mm. If you're playing the long game, you, you can get through a project and you can burn everybody out or you can like, you know, you know, you can actually do well on, on a single instance. But if you are um, damaging your relationships in the process, then the next time um, maybe you've lost trust or you have people who are burnt out and don't want to work with you anymore mm. or, or more or demotivated. Or if, um, and so if you're attending to those relationships, whether they're the f- people on your team or other stakeholders that you're working with, um, you know, you can, you know, hopefully get to the result and be creating a situation where you're really learning together with people and building those relationships stronger. So the next time it's even better. Yeah. So, and then there's one other way that I think conscious accountability is different from traditional accountability, and that is... Conscious accountability is um, focused on learning as, the, as sort of the, 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 the result. Whether you um, do a great job, whether, you, whether it doesn't go so well, learning is always what comes out of, 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 of that. Um, whereas I think sometimes accountability is used as a, as a bit of a bludgeon. You know, like um, in other words, something goes wrong and and there's the there's always the call for who needs to be held accountable, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, and not that you know th- it's not that that's not important, you know, people people do need to be held accountable, but we can do that in a way that's shaming and blaming, or we can do that in a way that helps everybody learn get from better. and get better. Mm-hmm. So that's the the spirit of conscious accountability is 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 forward looking. Um, as opposed to backward looking, and is one that that asks the question, um, how can we be responsible for making things better, mm-hmm. not just who's responsible for the problem? Yeah, and, and it's not just you know did we win or lose, mm-hmm. but but what did we learn along the way? That's right. Mm. That's right. So, what are some practical steps people can take to to start practicing conscious accountability? Then, yeah. So we we created this. Uh, what we call the CONNECT framework. And CONNECT is an acronym that um, covers seven practices that help build conscious accountability or a culture of conscious accountability. And the first one is um, the first step or the first practice, I should say, is called creating clarity. And what we mean by that is really creating clear expectations um, with other people for... um, for the goal that you want to achieve and everybody's responsibilities towards achieving that. Hmm. Um, and, and that actually means the f- in order to do that, you actually need to get clear with yourself on what is it that, what are, what are my intentions? What, what do we want to achieve? Um, and what kind of impact do I want to have? Hmm. Both, 
both on the outcome, but also on the people yeah. that I'm doing this with. Um, and why does that matter to me? Why is that important to me? So it, it actually takes a bit of introspection in a way to sort of think through all of those things. Because when you've gotten clear with yourself, then you are in a much better position to um, you know, articulate those ideas clearly to other people mm. and engage them and create that shared set of expectations. Because if you're not clear on, on you know, what the outcome is or what, your, what the roles and responsibilities are, it's really very difficult to have accountability at all. Um, yeah, and how could the other people on the team at all be clear if you're not clear yourself? Correct, yeah. exactly. Hmm. So that's really, I think, an, a, a good place to begin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, essential place to begin probably. Yeah. That's right, Yeah, that's right. So it starts with, with creating clarity. So in other words, one of, one of the first things someone can do on this journey to be, to be consciously accountable is to always stop and think, do I really understand what I want here and what the goal is and what my expectation is, um, that's just step number number one. Yeah, okay. yeah, All that's right. right. And then in the next letter in the connect is, oh, what, what comes next? Yeah, so the next one is what we call opening up engagement. And opening up engagement really focuses on two things. Um, that is um, building commitment uh, and building psychological safety. So we want to, when we are trying to achieve something, it's really important that we, you know, if we're going to see it through and really follow through, we, we have to find the motivation. We have to find, like, what's driving us and be kind of aware mm. of why this is important, um, why this matters. Uh, and so helping, um, you know, oneself or other people kind of dial up and, and connect with their own level of commitment mm-hmm. um, kind of and their own motivation helps um, kind of create you know lays down and, and emphasis you know helps build stamina mm-hmm. for getting through whatever it is that you are trying to, to, to get through or whatever it is you're trying to achieve mm. um, so that's the commitment part of, of, of engagement the psychological safety part is really um, creating the conditions for people to be able to show up as their authentic selves and to be themselves. So in other words, we want people to feel comfortable, to be able to give voice to their, their thoughts, their feelings, their perceptions, whatever it is that they're noticing in the process, to be able to give feedback. I mean, these are some of the things we'll talk about yeah. later, but in order to do that, those things, people have to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Or they're not gonna they're gonna hold back. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna share the the feedback that they that that other people might need. Or they're not going to, you know, communicate as fully. They're gonna maybe be a little bit more self protective. Yeah. Um, and so, to the extent that we can help people feel like like it's okay, they can they can say what they need to say yeah. and not worry that it's gonna come back to bite them. They're not gonna be ostracized for it or, or punished for it. That's right. Does psychological safety also give people the freedom to, to be imperfect and the freedom to fail? Absolutely. Psychological safety is really important, uh, you know, with, with this idea that I can make mistakes, I can, I can screw up, I cannot get it right, and it's okay because again, with conscious accountability, it's not about blame. It's not about um, you know um, 
you know, pe people making people feel wrong and bad. It's about, it's always about learning. Mm -hmm. So if you can create an environment that's focused on, you know, that where, where learning is the goal and that we learn both from successes and failures, mm -hmm. failures are actually great to pay attention to and to, and to, to say, hey, we've got some great learning here, how we can, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and so, so, so that, that, that sort of um, kind of perspective helps um, build psychological safety, I think, in, in a team or an organization where yeah. it's, where it's safe to make mistakes and admit errors and shortcomings and problems. And so we won't go through the entire connect, you know, acronym, I guess, but, but is it sequential? So is it, is it safe to say, David, that like we can start by, first of all, creating clarity. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, the next step is to kind of make sure that everybody understands the why, the purpose, right? That they have the motivation to be engaged, to be fully committed. Right. And that they feel safe to be an active participant and, and to be human. Yeah. Well, I'm, Jeff, I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the brought, brought the question of the, of the sequential part up. Yeah. Because when I initially conceived of this model, mm -hmm. I did think of it sequentially. But over time, what I've recognized is that um, the truth is that any of the practices in the Connect framework, we may be, we may be doing them sequentially or we may not. We may be doing um, different things at different times. In other words, we may need to be building commitment and psychological safety kind of all the way along. It's mm. not like you do it once and then it's done. Yeah, you can it's, forget about it. Yeah, 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 it's something that we need to continually practice in order to kind of maintain psychological safety, mm -hmm. right? Because it's, again, like things like trust, you can, it, it takes a long time to build, but it can take a very short time to erode. Yeah. Right? So, so we're, we, I th we think about them um, as these different um, pieces, not as, uh, I used to call them steps, in fact, but now we refer to them as practices mm -hmm. because they're things that we're, we're always engaging in. And, and even the idea of creating clarity, you don't just do it at the, at the outset. I mean, the outset's an important time to mm -hmm. do it, but you're always needing to make sure that there's clarity. Um, in terms of your communications and always needing to kind of circle back and come back to clarity when you realize that there's been um, some divergence between where you started and where you are. You might need to course correct too. Exactly. So you have to check your swing along the way. But wait a second, do we still have the same goal that we started with? Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So so these, um, you know, the, the, the practices – there are some that we recommend you, you do in the beginning, mm -hmm. but 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 a, a number of them you might be doing it you know at, at any throughout. point throughout yeah. exactly. Got it. Yeah, got it. So at, at one digital, we often say that we have a that we're working on. I'll say we're working on, and I, I can't say we've absolutely achieved it, but working on creating a feedback culture. Yeah. And you know, we're always trying to find ways to give constructive feedback directly to team team members, and also to be how to be receptive to feedback and, sure. and, and you know take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, so, can you talk about the feedback aspect? Because I'm assuming it's there somewhere within conscious accountability that feedback comes into. You've already mentioned it, actually. Yeah. So, so yeah. I know it's there. So, talk about that. How is how is feedback important and part of uh, of conscious accountability and 
and and how was learning from failure we we talked about it but talk more about that if you would sure the importance of that absolutely so um it feedback is in the connect model it's the e it's exchanging feedback is what we is what we call it and um when we talk about that it's about soliciting feedback so asking for it giving it and receiving it and i think actually asking for it is a really important um pivot that um, individuals and and you know if and, and organizations. So if you're trying to develop a feedback culture, it's it's not just about giving it and receiving it. It's about learning to ask for it. Mm-hmm. It's because it's much easier to give solicited feedback than it is unsolicited. Some people just can't give unsolicited feedback. It's way too uncomfortable for them. Right. Right. And and a lot of people have trouble receiving unsolicited mm-hmm. feedback. Yeah. But if you get in the habit of asking for it, mm. um, that creates some measure of safety for people to engage in that conversation. Is that that's probably especially true of someone in a leadership role because you've really got to you, you've got to give permission sometimes. I oh, guess yeah. I mean you shouldn't have to, but sometimes people might feel like, "Geez, I'm not just going to give feedback to my." boss a horrible term but you yeah. know to a leader but if you ask for it it it, it gives them permission that's right and and um, it, I think it's really true that as people move up in their in positions of authority they often get less and less feedback yeah and that leaves them um, sometimes sort of blind to the impact that they may be having yeah and so that's when we get into things like 360 reviews um, and, and sort of more, you know, processes that allow people to give more anonymous um, feedback um, comes into play. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if leaders are finding ways on a regular basis to invite feedback and to demonstrate that they actually do welcome it, that they're not going to be retaliatory, they're not going to blow up at people and get mad at them for yeah. giving them feedback, but they're actually, you know, welcoming it and, and not just welcoming it, but also um, responding to it. Um, so in other words, if you can see that you've given feedback and as a result, something changed, mm-hmm. um, then not only that shows that, wow, people are really listening here, um, and, and, and are willing to make adjustments. Um, that goes a long way in terms of actually commanding respect, you know, um, showing people that you value them and then people saying, wow, like right. that person really is really listening. And it's an incentive to keep giving feedback. Exactly. Jeez, I gave feedback, something good came of it. So I guess this giving feedback is a pretty good thing. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you have to you have to really go overboard almost yeah. to make sure that it's a positive experience for everyone, not right. just a, not just not a negative experience. Yeah. But actually, that it's a positive experience. Yeah. From a leadership perspective, it's I I would think it'd be a lot better to ask for feedback and to get it directly and honestly than people than to get it like second and third hand like oh you know people are talking at the water cooler and they're complaining and you know and uh, right the, the, because it's it's just all so much more positive if it, if it's if it's direct yeah and 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 honest and not kind of through the grapevine and 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 through complaining versus a more productive, constructive, you know, process. A- absolutely. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, l- l- leaders can put this into practice by having regular 
times and places that they that they routinely, you know, invite um, feedback and mm-hmm. you know and in different ways. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can you can do it. You can you can ask um, you know after particular events or meetings, like you know how did that go? To kind of an after action review. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know like just even when giving feedback to say like um, what feedback do you have for me about how I can support you in you know making improvements or changes yeah, yeah. Um, what would you know you, you can make that not just a one-way conversation but a two-way conversation yeah um, so the, the 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 feedback like after an event a meeting or, or something like that it, I, I call that the the watching the Monday morning game film right mm-hmm. the, the the football teams always they, they play the game on Sunday right professional teams right NFL teams Monday they're looking at the game film yep I think we need to do more of that generally in corporate in a, in a, in a work environment you know not a sports just a sports environment yeah play the video back how do we right. do that's right. Mm. No, that I, I, I think that's that's a really, really good point. I mean, anyone who's really trying to get better, mm. trying to up their game, reviews their performance. Yeah. And and um, you know, sports teams do it. Why shouldn't teams, you know, leadership teams do it or other teams that work together? Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact it, it's one of the practices that sets apart um, you know, teams that are um, that are getting better together over time, that are becoming more effective together, mm-hmm. they're the ones that periodically stop and, and say, so how are we doing? How can we, how can we do this better? They kind, of rev- they kind of look at how they work. They review how things went. They don't just say, all right, on to the next thing. Right. They, they pause and, and say, all right, what can we learn here? Yeah. You and I talked before we started recording about theater, yeah. and and you know uh, you get closer to the performance and you get into like a dress rehearsal kind of, and then the director will always get everybody together, you know, after the, uh, and 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 give their notes. That's right. Okay, I've That's got right. notes. Yep. And can you imagine if everybody on stage was like, oh no no no, no I'm, I'm not going to take that feedback. Like mm. you know, like you would just never get better. That's right. That's ex- that's a, that's another good example. Yeah. Right. There's other places where feedback is sort of built into the process, and and we and I don't think we you know there, it's a it's a huge opportunity I think yeah. for organizations that want to get better that yeah. want to up level to figure out ways of building in feedback um, again in in ways that and, and this is again why the psychological safety piece is in the model because we can do feedback better when we trust other people that they have good intentions that they are there to try to help build us up not tear us down not point fingers Um, so creating that environment where people feel safe and comfortable and and really a part of something and trusting allows feedback to go um, to go much better and to be um, you know, something that really helps support organizations in their, in their growth and development. So I'm glad you brought up the word trust, David, that, that kind of hits the nail on the head. And, and I, I, because I know employees are looking for an employer that they can trust and, and they're kind of in a, like the, the, in the labor market being what it is, they're in a position of power right now. They can go out and find that they can hold out for that employer. That's kind of, that's trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um, so they want their employer to have their back. So, uh, so how does trust talk a little bit more about trust, if you if you would, and how it relates to the uh, conscious accountability model, and how leaders can create this necessary trust 
beyond just gonna doing what they said that they could do. Up oh, before you listen to that answer, you're gonna actually have to tune into part two of this episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. Thanks for tuning in. This has been another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. 